comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. It's all right. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to TBH. This is episode three of our quarantine special. Um, so today, we posted on Instagram what we would be talking about, and I'm very excited to learn about this topic because I personally don't know much about it. Um, Ruth and I were talking about it um, and just the necessity of a conversation like this um, so that we can really get into the ins and outs of systematic racism and how it affects Black families and raising Black kids. So today we will be talking about adultification of Black children. Mm-hmm. Um, for, the, for those who don't know, we were looking for um, definitions that kind of help explain it because like we gave, not a lot of people know what it is. Um, and we came across this one from Georgetown Law. They did a study on it. And it says, um, adultification is a form of dehumanization, robbing black children of the very essence of what makes childhood distinct from all other developmental periods, um, innocence. So basically it robs them of their innocence. Um, there's also another term for it, which is adultification bias. and we found a different definition, which I think is also important, and you'll see why later in the conversation. That definition is a form of racial prejudice where children of minority groups, such as African-American girls, are treated as being more mature than they are by a reasonable social standard of development. And when me and Begay were talking about mm-hmm. it, we realized that there's so many layers to this issue, right? So there's a societal aspect to it, where it's like how the world views you. And because of that, as Black children, you have to grow so much more quicker. There's the familial aspect to it and having like heights and familial roles in your in your family right so like being having to be more responsible than your white counterparts or peers um and then there's also the sexual aspect of it too um where as young young children especially black girls like they're over sexualized at a very young age and the the implications that come with it so yeah only of course in tbh forum we have incredible guests for you guys today um (laughs) We have one time guest and the rest are all new. We're really, really excited. And this is a special episode, especially because we're all rising sophomores. We've never had like a conversation where we're all on the same. Gang in the fit. Gang in the fit. Okay, class of 2023. If you guys could just go ahead and introduce yourselves, let us know. Let's start with our, um, our newcomers. Yeah. First time TBH guest. Hey y'all, um, my name is Denai. I currently attend American University and right now I'm located in Seattle, Washington. I'm Logan. I'm currently in Arlington, Virginia and I'm a rising sophomore at George Washington University. Hey everyone, I'm Alfred Taylor. I'm a rising sophomore at GW and I'm in the greater Boston area right now. Hi everyone, I'm Sydney MacArthur. I'm a rising sophomore at GW as well, and I'm currently in South Jersey. Hello, guys. Okay, so you know we had to bring the class of 2023 for your listening today. Um, So one of the things that Ruth was talking about, I know you kept mentioning um, the word girls, 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 um, the adultification of girls. And when we were looking at articles, we found that research was heavily concentrated around the adultification of black girls. 
um, and that the issue tends to be more focused on that gender. But we found that, you know, given our experiences and what we've seen from life, that it does actually affect both boys and girls. So I, I really want to hear from Sydney and Logan um, about your thoughts on if it applies to both genders, because I know you guys actually did took a class on it um, and learned a lot more information than I have honestly so I'm definitely really excited to hear your take on that yeah so um I'll go um I think that um it's important to look at the historical kind of origins of um you know adultification and stuff like that mm -hmm. um so historically black women were truly the first demographic to experience uh systematic like adultification um, and this came with slavery. So you had forced breeding at ages, you know, like 12 years old from uh, Black women who were forced to bear children at very young ages, which means they were forced to be mothers at very young ages. Um, and, you know, performing labor while pregnant is also a very adult idea for someone who's just a child. Um, and this actually led to the scientific experimentation of Black women. Um, when you study gynecology, the first people they experimented on were young Black women. Um, and this is because there was a perceived notion that they were, um, you know, they were strong, they were adult-like, even though they were young, mm -hmm. innocent Black girls. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably why it's more heavily concentrated on black women because if you really think about the origins of it it's highly concentrated on black women and there were a lot more responsibilities that black women had to um endure because of adultification and the start of it in the colonial period yeah completely agree with that like when europeans first came to colonize africa they saw that, you know, Africans, we, they didn't wear clothes. They didn't have all these garments on. So they automatically had this preconceived notation that they were all over here doing orgies and stuff like that because they didn't cover up. So that automatically gave them the idea that they were already sexual beings, which furthermore perceived them to like be overly sexualized because, oh, since they don't wear clothes, they desire sex. That's just how they are. So that also like just turns into like, you know, the whole adultification thing, because just because that was like their cultural yeah. thing, that's kind of what it like transversed into. Um, and I do think that it definitely does go along with um, both genders for sure. I think it, I think even both like sexually, like it definitely looks at black men and also black women as well that are both over-sexualized. And that also goes back to the historical context of menstrual shows where you have like your Jazabel, which is like your representation of your over-sexualized female, and then you have your Mandingo Warrior, which is like your over-sexualized male character. So right. I think as a whole, just like being Black is just an over-sexualized, adultified thing, just in general, no matter like your gender. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think the historical, um, especially like historical stereotypes that have carried on are what we're like seeing right now in terms of how mm -hmm. we're viewed even though it might not be directly noticeable it's like for example um i was watching 13th the other day right and they talk about the history and like the implications with certain messages or like how black men were portrayed and now we can see it 
um, by just the criminalization of Black men and Black youth especially. Um, so I think there, history is a really big part of it and I'm happy that you guys touched on that. To go off of that, um, a few months ago I was actually watching a video um, about adultification and mm -hmm. kind of going off of what Logan said about the Jezebel, um, they also kind of talked about how there's like three main identities um, that people like to, I guess, impose on, especially young black girls, which is the Jezebel, like Logan said, and then also the mammy, which is like the caretaker, mm -hmm. or like, you know, not sexualized at all, and, you know, is willing to sacrifice everything, and then I think, I believe the third one was Sapphire, which is like yeah. this messy one, yeah, and so definitely me, I know, like, I saw that a lot growing up, especially in school, how okay. teachers, like, impose that on kids and myself especially yeah I definitely feel like these stereotypes kind of inflicted especially in my background because I went to a predominantly white institution in elementary school and pretty much even though I was kind of homeschooled in middle school even though in middle school too um where like I found myself and I mean I was so too young to like really understand what was going on but like now that I'm older it's like oh wow she, you know, gave it the notation of having attitude, but when my friend said something who was Caucasian, it was her speaking her opinion, but when I said it, it was automatically forced to have attitude, or that my opinion was, it was, like, charged or something, so that definitely, like, comes, comes around now that I've noticed, like, what, like, adultification means and stuff, so I found mm -hmm. that interesting, because like wow I really did and I still do experience these biases today yeah. right and it's so it's crazy because I was on Twitter as we were prepping for this episode I was on Twitter and I saw a picture of this little girl protesting and um they were like look like our youth our little kids are being so strong blah, blah, blah. and someone um retweeted it and was like this is not okay this girl needs to be at home she should not be fighting for her life on the streets right now. Like, this is a little girl. She, her innocence is being stripped by making her protest and things like that. And I was like, okay, this kind of lends in and bleeds into our conversation today. Because I think the world tends to see Black kids as um, being able to bear more than their yeah. white counterparts or being able to take it more. But, like, that notion that we should just take it I, doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. And, like, also going into that, it's like even with um you know systematic oppression and mass incarceration of our black males it's as soon as like that happens it's um the youngest or the son has to become the man of the household right it's no less than probably like 12 years old and they automatically have to bear this oh well i'm the man of the household i have to step up robbing them of their innocence robbing them of their childhood um, which I think goes into the notation of these kids being perceived as being grown and adult. It's because they don't have, personally, I feel like they just, they don't like, they don't have a choice once you're, you know, put in that situation. It's like, okay, well, I have to step up. I have to be the right. man of the household. Um, and even like my mom was saying that she's a teacher um, in an inner city school. And she was saying, like, these kids, they're so grown, like, they just talk back, and da -da -da -da. I'm just like, mom, like, that's, that's just how it is, like, that's just where they're coming from, and you have to, you can't, like, talk down on them for that, 
but you have to like work with them with that because yeah ultimately I feel like it's like a generational thing it is and there's so many reasons why there are there happen to be absentee fathers maybe it'd be at the hands of the criminal justice system and this huge mass incarceration problem we have or it'd be the fact that black parents hustle their asses off on a daily to put food on the table for their kids they're out there hustling and surviving for their kids and someone has to play that role and it's often I've seen often the older kid tends to be that figure it's like you're raising everyone person I have a cousin her name is Majula and um I lived with her in Gambia and if if it affects um, us in Africa as well like um she was kind of just the mom of the house like I knew she was just the most responsible and she had assumed that role and she occupied it so well Mm -hmm. you know but of course like we have to also allow our kids to be kids yeah and like even in the education system like going mm-hmm. off of um what logan was saying like this is really what makes the school to prison pipeline so discriminatory against mm-hmm. black kids because like what comes to mind that we actually even talked about it in criminal justice class this past semester was um i think her name kaya um i'm not sure but it was a six-year-old black girl in orlando who got arrested because of like minor disciplinary oh like, i remember seeing oh yeah i remember that like too. how do you arrest someone in kindergarten you've you've at that point you've said that a kindergartner someone who is six years old mm-hmm. is subject to the same things as an adult that person hasn't even developed maturity yet hasn't even gone through puberty yet and right. it's really sad and then it also makes me think of like george floyd's daughter and now how she's faced with all of these adult, you know, adult-like issues, seeing mm-hmm. murder, witnessing that in, in her family, witnessing the systematic oppression firsthand with her eyes, seeing it, um, the whole world galvanized because of her father at such a young age. And right. it just like, not only does it stunt growth, but it, it really adds um, like stress to our like mental health and our you know just our dignity and everything yeah and these things really stick with you Mm -hmm. like things you absorb as a kid um really impact the rest of your life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think that like since I went to a predominantly white schools um when I was really little I remember I was so outspoken I would raise my hand all the time. I'd be like, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, she don't know it, I got it. And I would just be the most outspoken girl. And I remember um, my third grade teacher was like, oh, Logan, stop, put your hand down. You talk too much. I remember that so vividly. I'm like, oh, I talk too much. Okay. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I just, I, every time, like, I'm in, I'm in a class setting, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I might know the answer, but I'm not going to speak on it, I'm not going to say anything about it, like, it is what it is, and, like, I have that mentality now, and I'm trying to break out of it, but, like, even when I try to break out of it, because I now still go to a PWI, I still kind of get a little, like, nervous, little tension, it's just like, maybe I should just kind of keep it to myself, like, you know, obviously, they don't want to hear from me kind of thing. No, um, because I was that outspoken person, so yeah. Yeah. There's so much power in your voice, and like, never forget that. 
I mean, like, I like don't even in that moment, this is like your education, like care about you. Like don't even care that if you're annoying people or annoying the teacher, like force them to hear you because it could be revolutionary. I know that like my teacher, my professor last semester, he was very conservative, probably had never had like someone push back on him ever before. And I was like, this black girl in his class, like constantly pushing back, constantly raising my hand, constantly offering, you know, intelligence to the class. And I'm sure students walked out of that class with a different perspective on black women, black people, ideas, progressivism. So it's so like important and like you have such a powerful voice and obviously so much intelligence that needs to be shared and don't let you know bad experiences take you down and you should definitely just keep using your voice and <clears throat> stay strong yeah for sure mm -hmm. i think it's um, so oh. go ahead go ahead now i'm just i'm looking at this um this article that you guys were talking about from georgetown mm -hmm. and i'm looking at like this graph right now which is really interesting and it's talking about like the the rate of suspension for girls K through 12 yeah. by race. Mm -hmm. And so just to compare, the enrollment of black girls is around 15%. And the enrollment of white girls is around 50%. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but um, the rate of in-school suspension is basically like the same. It's actually a little higher for black girls even wow. though there's there's 35% more mm -hmm. white girls in school and even just even like just taking gender out of it i feel like we've all seen situations in middle school or high school where you get two people that do the exact same thing mm -hmm. and have different races and one is severely punished possibly even arrested while the white student that does the same thing it's more of like oh he just fucked up she just fucked up you know it's a part of the process like mm -hmm. I, I, I had a friend one time this friend actually goes to Harvard so we're not gonna say his name but this kid goes to Harvard <laughs> he's been he got suspended for a bunch of shit like selling selling uh jewels or whatever like that and they wiped his record clean Meanwhile, I have friends that have done the same thing that like would have the cops called on them and shit like that, which is and it's like at such a young you know? age, Alfred, like these kids from when they're babies, they're being criminalized in the classroom. Like yeah. you see like a black boy um, and he maybe he has a lot of energy. Maybe he's, and you know, he just is a fireball. And they're like, he's disruptive. He's disruptive. He talks too much. He's all over the place. Da, 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 da. But you see another kid and he's white and he does the same thing. And oh, that kid is energetic. And oh, that kid has so much energy in him. I love it. Da, 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 da. And then these black kids end up um, going into detention or being suspended from school at higher rates. And it's just like, we criminalize them from so young. These yeah. implicit biases, they just peek out everywhere. Yeah. Did you say that, Bigay? Because mm -hmm. I remember being in like fourth grade, I think it was. And um, I remember telling you this other day, the, but like math was my shit growing up. Yeah. Uh, but it was my shit growing up. And I remember it was like some lesson and this white girl next to me had asked a question. 
And so I was helping her with a problem. And I remember the teacher just like turning around and like coming to me and telling me like to go to the principal's office. And I was kind of just like confused. Like, wait, is my mom here? Like, is like a package or like a note or something? And she'd send me to the office because I was being disruptive to the class. And so like the principal had a whole conversation talking about you need to be aware of like your surroundings and be more considerate mm -hmm. and like all this other stuff, which didn't really make any sense because I was helping my peer. Right. I mean, and it wasn't even like I was actually being disruptive or anything. Right. So I just want to. Um, I think you're right. You're right. Black students are definitely disproportionately punished in schools and also in the juvenile justice system, right? Um, I read somewhere that black teens are nine times more likely to be to receive adult prison sentences than white teens. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can see that in so many examples. I don't know if you guys remember the story about Centoria Brown. Yeah. Um, who was 16, um, and she got, I believe, like 50 to life. Um, and yeah. what she did was she, she um, basically murdered um, the man that was soliciting her for sex, right? And she'd been a survi survivor of sexual assault. But Minor sex. And she was 16 at the time, but then she got 50 mm -hmm. for life. And she was just recently um, granted clemency um, with the pressure from like out from celebrities and everything. And also you see in the Central Park Five, mm -hmm. um, those boys were, were young teenagers um, being accused of something that they did not do. Um, I believe all of them went to adult prison, I think, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I yes. The person mm -hmm. was 40 wise. Um, and then the rest of them were also sent to adult prison. Um, and just that, like from such a young age, just that statistic yeah. itself is terrifying. So like when you see, for example, I always hear like if it's a white person doing it or a white kid, oh, you know, they were raised wrong or it was a mistake or, you know, they're kids. Like, it they make mistakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you're a black kid, it, it potentially costs you your life. There's no such thing as making mistakes. Um, you're immediately penalized for that. So I think it's really interesting. Um, it makes me think of like when we at some point become mothers and fathers of these black kids like I think of my parents um, and the millions of black parents that have to raise their kids with this added consciousness that white kids never have to learn and I think that in itself is unfair I think of cases like Tamira Rice and Trayvon Martin these are baby boys like that are being killed um, at the hands of racism and I, I just it makes me so sad when I hear conversations like this because I just see how deeply rooted our disadvantages are like it just you see it racism is just everywhere yeah. and if you think about like the difference in resolution paths and how for mm -hmm. black children the resolution quote-unquote resolution is to send them to prison or make it criminal or make it disciplinary but for white kids it's to send oh, them to rehab mental health get help, yeah. mental health therapy yeah, and like for like obviously it in middle school we all battle like just social identity problems, different mm -hmm. things of maturity. And I remember um I was in seventh grade dealing with a lot of stuff and I went to the bathroom during my English class and I like stayed in there for like fifteen minutes just trying to discuss drama with my friend and trying to resolve things. Um, because, you know, things were at a bad place for me. And I remember coming back to the classroom and my teacher was just so mad and, you know, she yelled at me and wrote me up and she didn't even think to ask, am I okay? Do you want to see a guidance counselor? Like it was just automatically like, I'm going to give you a demerit and that's it. 
but it's like I really wonder if like you know the white kid next to me would have done the same thing yeah. it's like oh are you okay Johnny yeah. do you want to go home like that kind of yeah. stuff and yeah. I mean like if even if you think about the reporting of it the criminal reporting of things or the disciplinary reporting of things like you mentioned Tamir Rice when mm-hmm. police officers reported him and you know gave his identity they described him as like a menacing black man when he yeah. was a teenager boy like a young boy yeah. so it's Wait, wasn't, wasn't he 12? 12 years old yeah and it's yeah. like I feel like like this big black man you guys need to come for backup and right something just happened with this menacing guy and he's threatening and like with a toy gun and in two seconds they showed up and they shot him exactly I forget the video like they didn't even it was ridiculous and he was 12 years old at the time but the gun girl who's walking around campus i forgot which <laughs> campus she oh goes to, like yeah. a ar-15 <laughs> which clearly isn't a toy nothing happens to her yeah kent state interesting because I wasn't raised being aware of my blackness um I was one of those kids as problematic as it sounds I didn't see color you know what I mean so even though I knew certain things didn't feel right or I felt it was obvious that I was being singled out it just I couldn't connect it back to the fact that I was black it just seemed like it just it seemed like whatever standard I was supposed to be held at, like, I held everyone else to that same standard, but Mm -hmm. that obviously wasn't how everything played out. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That definitely would be a throwing off. Like, I was definitely a person, like, who just didn't see color, and I kind of just went about life wally gagging. Like, oh, "Oh, that was my Mm -hmm. fault. That was just kind of me. Oh, I did that. Mm -hmm. I did this. But really, if you think about it, like, I remember like telling my mom like all these little like little microaggressions that I would tell her and I'd be like oh yeah that you said this today that you just said that and my mom would just get so mad I'm like why is she mad like she's tripping like it's really nothing like I'm fine bro that's so true yeah but it's like I, wrote, I never understood why my mom was so mad so and mad. I wrote like a whole yeah. poem about it and it was called why my mom is mad I understand like why my mom is <laughs> like that life as 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 people want to say oh it's not about color the life honestly is color like when i look at someone the first thing i see is their color and when i see their color i'm going to think of things in the background and whatever you've seen as far as that's why representation matters whatever you've seen that's how you frame your own perception of someone exactly and i think that it's not and it's not just like you know a white versus black thing I think it also is in our own community where we also like colorism that's a whole thing in and of itself um but also when it comes to like the sexualization of girls like I remember um I was wearing these shorts in my house and my Mm -hmm. mom was like she was like oh can you put don't take those shorts off put some pants on or something I was like Mm -hmm. why like your brother's here and I'm like uh, okay like I don't know what that yeah. has to do with anything or my mom would always be conscious of what I was wearing when I went outside because she didn't want you know people to look at me a certain type of way um especially if I were a black girl wearing booty shorts god forbid you know it's just like a whole nother situation uh, as if like yeah. a black girl were to wear like some short shorts it'd be perceived differently I'll never forget um I had some I had something similar happen to me um I went to this event, um, and 
I went with my friends and my mom was picking me up. So she didn't see what I wore when I went there, but she picked me up and I was wearing shorts. And I think I was like 14, 15 at the time. And immediately like, she got so mad and we had a whole fight the way all the way back home. And her whole argument is you can't be wearing that. You can't be wearing shorts. Basically, I am putting myself in a position where, um, especially where I was, it wasn't safe and you don't know how people are gonna look at you, all these things. And at the time I was young, I saw, I knew white girls that wear shorts all the time. I was like, why is this an issue? Like, I'm just wearing shorts. It's a hot day in Missouri. Like, I should be able to wear shorts. And I didn't realize that that was, like, tied to adultification until me, Logan, you and I had a conversation about it, and you told me what it was. And I was like, whoa, I've actually had this happen to me in my life. Like, there's a name to it. There's a term to it. Um, and I think... I think black girls, we... Well, the ones that are lucky in some ways tend to fill out quicker um like our bodies tend to we have the curves and things like that so there's that aspect to it personally um logan what you said i saw a tweet and someone was like that whole um you need to go change your your uncles are coming over you need to go put on pants instead of shorts your uncles are coming over that never sat well with me and i was like retweet that never sat right with me why are you telling me like it just it's such a testament to how society has failed um, these victims of any form of sexual assault. Like I see on Twitter and that whole trend, the whole I was, insert your age, like all these girls coming on. Every time I'm reminded like, yo, this is the problem. It's a problem in Gambia when you're, I'm 12 years old. Trying, I'll never forget. <laughs> I love how we keep saying I'll never forget. But when I was like tw- uh, 14 or something, I was walking with a friend of mine and this guy just starts like hitting on her and like really inappropriately and he's like old old and I'm just like dude like what's wrong with you and I'm like and I lie and I'm like she's 12 thinking that was gonna help he was like I don't care I was like the fuck like this is so weird it's like we're being sexualized at these super super young ages and society is doing nothing to help us like society has failed us over and over again yeah and honestly it doesn't even just affect like family relationships it affects like black love in general like mm-hmm. boyfriend girlfriend girlfriend boyfriend boyfriend type stuff mm-hmm. and like think about how black men are pressured to do sexual things at very young ages it's like man by like i say little boosie i'm gonna keep like, bringing him up the more yeah. i hear about this little boosie thing the more i'm like what the fuck happened what the fuck is wrong with you why would you put yourself yeah. through that like, you have to have this many bodies at this age. And yeah. They tie that to your masculinity. Yeah. And then girls are also, like, pressured at young ages to, like, you know what I mean? At this age, I have to have, you know, my curves have to look like this. And I have to do yeah. this. Boy, And it's just, like, really, really toxic for Black love. Or how about, how many times have you gotten into a relationship with someone and they are, like, hesitant to open up and stuff like that because their innocence was stripped away from them at a very young age. Mm-hmm. That innocence, when innocence is stripped away, trust is also stripped away. It's yeah. so much deeper and psychological and emotional than people, than what people think. Trying to love this person, but it's like you love a person who really has no more innocence left in them. Yeah. It's hard. It's difficult. It's complex. And it makes black love much more difficult than any other love that, you know, That's happens. Because like love is such a pure thing, and it's love is innocent. Yeah, pure like yeah, that yeah. Okay, that's realization there just from that. Yeah, that was deep, bitch. (laughs) Really (laughs) about that one. (laughs)
Okay, guys, so we're going to have to interrupt this beautiful conversation for a quick minute. Um, like we promised two weeks ago um, and like we've been doing, we're introducing a lot of new segments um, today. Last week, you heard from Quarantine Correspondent, and Ryan was our guest. Thank you again. This week, we'll be doing a Shameless Plug segment. For those of you that do not remember, Shameless Plug is all about uplifting and elevating um, our peers and people that we've been seeing just making boss moves during quarantine. Yes, sir. And today we have two people joining us. Um, they, I think, I believe it was during quarantine, they launched an Instagram page. They'll talk a little bit more about it, mm-hmm. but um, they've been doing incredible things on it. And I just, we just felt the need to bring them on and, and highlight them, you know. So if you guys could introduce yourselves, let us know Thanks. who you are. Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Asla. Uh, I'm a rising junior at the George Washington University, and I'm from Maryland. Oh, hey guys, my name is Taylor, and I'm a rising junior at the George Washington University, and I'm currently in Harlem, New York City. Yes, sir. Wow, it's crazy that y'all are rising juniors now. Like, yeah, that's wild. Wild. <laughs> we're going <laughs> I can't believe it. That's crazy. crazy. Halfway done. Yeah. Wow, but thank you guys for joining us thank today. Um, we we could talk a little bit about what you guys started, but we'd rather you talk about it because <laughs> it's your it's your page. So just let us know what you're plugging today, what what you guys created together. So me, also we just like love fashion and style. Like it's just something that makes us happy. Like people love other things, mm-hmm. and so we um, basically for like a part of our business, we wanted to do something like fashion. So we mm-hmm. thought that we should start an Instagram page first. And I said, you want to tell them what we do on Instagram? Okay, so the whole point was, like, I remember I was talking to my friend one day, and he was like, oh, you should start a blog. And I was like, I don't really think people read blogs that much. <laughs> so then I was like, maybe with an Instagram page, and, like, we're trying to give people tips at first and, you know, put them on into different places they can shop at. So mm-hmm. that was, like, the original idea, to just help people and, like, give them different, like, places to shop at mm-hmm. yeah i love it i love it i've definitely gotten a lot of inspiration from the things that you've posted yeah um, i remember like when, when, when was it Ruth? you were like bro how do they know all these stylish ass people literally. i was like, <laughs> like how do they know like, how do you people? not run out of people <laughs> like, honestly actually that was like an issue at first like we were talking <laughs> me and taylor were talking i was like because at first we were only posting people we knew and i was yeah. like damn i'm gonna run out of people that i know <laughs> right so then we started like going on Instagram, explore, and, like, reaching out to people. And, like, people are really nice about people it. They were, like, oh, my God, I would love, I would love to. <laughs> so like, nice. every time we ask people, they're like, oh, my God, I would love to. And then they just send in their information, and then, yeah. That's so dope. And I but feel like when you guys... When you guys started with with the page, you guys hit the ground running because I remember I think yeah. the, the next couple of weeks or something, I saw you guys did the the giveaway. This argument, right? Yeah. I was so hurt. I didn't win that. <laughs> I was like, wow. So it's like that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna definitely try to do more of those. We just wanted to like do something because we were so like we're like, oh my god, we're getting so much love. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's yeah. do something for the people. Yeah. How did I have a quick question? How did y'all come up with the name? Uh, it's like Asla and Taylor <laughs> cartel, and then the fashion cartel. We were trying to come up with a with a name, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if this is appropriate for the podcast." You're good. 
we're not at GW anymore. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Taylor loves to smoke and stuff. I so love I was like, oh my god. <laughs> you know how they have like drug drug cartels. cartels and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, let's be fashion cartel or something. Yeah. Oh, and then let's add our name at the front. That's cute. Oh, I love that. That is cute. I didn't even think of it like that. That's so cool. <laughs> Wait, what did you think of it as? I don't know. I saw a fashion cartel and for some reason, I was like, cartel, cartel, cartel. I've heard that before. But like, my mind did not go to the drug yeah. cartel. But it <laughs> yeah. sense. Mine did. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I see what you did. Yeah, we like to smoke. We know it's okay to smoke and shit. <laughs> yeah. No, but how, how has everything been? Like, overall, has quarantine made it harder or easier on you guys? Yeah, because you guys did launch it during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And also, I wanted to know, have you guys been thinking about this before? Or was it when you guys were in quarantine, something just inspired you guys to start this? yeah um so it was all in quarantine like for a minute ever since like we met each other um with gw because we're roommates since freshman year we just like both realized we love fashion and was like because we don't want to really do like regular jobs have regular careers we want to do something creative we like bro we need to start our own business basically so like we don't have to work for no one by ourselves so this was just the beginning of it Mm -hmm. yeah like i remember we were like we were in our room like I think spring semester, we were just, like, very, like, we were trying to pick our majors, and we were just, like, damn, what are we going to do? And I was, like, we should start our fashion, we should start sketching stuff, and, like, you know, but then I was, like, we shouldn't just, like, put our clothes out there without, like, having a platform. Like, or yeah. audience. Right. Or, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. wow. That's, that's that makes really... a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. And has it made it, has it been easier doing it during quarantine? Like, I know you guys are in different cities right now, communicating, everything. How's that? I mean, we talk every day. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, communication is not an issue. Yeah. Of course, it would be easier if we were together. I feel like the content would be better because we would, like, go out and take pictures together. Like, I want us to have more, like, recent, like, more new flicks and stuff like that for the page, right. which we'll get to. But because we're all in different cities. Because we'll um, I remember, like, at first we were posting our old pictures, and I really mm-hmm. wished, like, we had newer ones yeah. to, like, post for the people. So then I was like, maybe we should stop posting ourselves until we have new outfits. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. That's smart. And also, during right. quarantine, it's hard to, <laughs> like, dress up. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'm curious to find out, like, let's say 20 years down the line, like, what are you, what are you trying to see for the fashion cartel? Where, what's your overall goal for this? Um, so, like, as I was saying about, like, how she started with, like, how we wanted to, like, come up with our own clothing line, low-key, mm-hmm. like, we, um, that's why, we, like, we realized we needed, a, like, an audience and stuff like that. So, um, we just wanted to gain an audience for our, for our page or whatever, and a fashion cartel would basically, like, be a business and, like, a clothing line. Basically, that's what we wanted to become, and I feel like it's not going to be, like, your average clothing. And, like, not not to be disrespectful, but, like, it's just not going to have, like, shirts that say at Fashion Cartel mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's really going to be, like, a fashion brand, like, for right. girls. Because we want to see – we wish – the things that we're going to put out is the things that we wish were made for, like, us mm-hmm. and girls that are, right. are shaped like us. So Before before we let y'all go, we just want you to let us know where we can find you, Um, you know. Remind the people Please. what your socials and everything. It's um at, I think it's, it's at that fashion cartel. Okay. At that fashion cartel. And then you guys could also plug in your individual IGs if you want. 
Uh, well, mine is Belle Alpha, but it's like when you get to the fashion page, you'll see before I ask. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But um, thank you guys so much for speaking. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Um. Yeah. I'm so excited to see where you guys go, and just the fact that you guys can come up with so much content during quarantine. It just, you know, it just shows me that in the future, like we can only expect great things. So thank you. And I actually, like, fuck with it heavy. Like, if I see it on my feed and I get to, like, tap and see where the clothes yeah. are from. And yeah. It's just, it actually yeah. really is amazing. Because I, I look, I've seen pages like that where they do outfit details and where to get it. But I feel like this, this I prefer because it's right there staring at you. And um, all the outfits are so dope. So I'm just like, okay, this is actually, I can get behind this. Mm-hmm. Like, even if, y'all, even if we weren't supporting you just to support you, it still is a really great idea. So I'm so proud of you guys. So happy for y'all. And now back to the conversation about adultification. Even on top of that, if we talk about scientific racism and like kind of like what I was mentioning earlier with experimentation, Mm -hmm. there are so many deep adultification, like scientific standards that doctors live by. Like a lot of doctors, it's like taught in medical school um, and just health public health in general that black women and black men have like more collagen and what is collagen it's like the your skin Mm -hmm. because it's like we're perceived to be stronger and more adult like and even in like collagen like you wouldn't even put that together when it's a doctor saying well you have a lot of collagen and you're not thinking to yourself wait he's just like he just adultified me why like why are you saying that what's the scientific basis behind that yeah there is no there is no science it's yeah. just bullshit yeah i know for me like i had skin cancer in middle school and so that auto like automatically i the trauma that i went through i had to kind of grow up from that because in middle school that's all where a lot of your growth happens and i was kind yeah. of so I think that also applies to like how I move now but also um I remember this one incident my, my mom oh my god she like almost sued the pants off of John Hopkins University uh, <laughs> medical school so um I had just got out of a surgery and um I had a skin graft um which is mm-hmm. basically where like they cut a piece of skin and they apply it to like another part of your body it's like you can't like close like and close like a section of you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and so um basically I remember I had to get my skin graft healed and the way that they just went about care for me was so poor it was so trash they literally would just like rip things off without telling me they would just be injecting their stuff without telling me and Mm -hmm. I remember um one time like I was like I don't feel good like I don't I feel like I'm gonna pass out like I literally told the doctor like I feel like I'm gonna pass out like I just don't feel right or I would be like oh that kind of hurts could you like could you stop and they would literally keep going it's like oh you're fine it's okay it's almost over like they would not listen to me and I remember um one of the nurses like ripped off a bandage and I passed out after I said hey I'm gonna pass out hey that hurts hey that doesn't feel right they Mm -hmm. didn't listen to me and um, I remember my mom just started just going off, rightfully so, because it's just like, if I told you, like, if the roles were reversed, like I will say again, you would listen. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just that simple. It's literally that simple. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's just like something that always pops up in my head all the time. 
And that's not even surprising knowing that, like for instance, gynecology was created by black women undergoing um, surgeries without any type of numbing or any medication going straight into procedures, um, you know, reaching pain levels that like we will probably never even reach in our entire lives. And it's just like really, it's not surprising knowing that these are the creations of a lot of our medical institutions. So of course it's going to go on and of course they're going to go on and push their pain limits and they don't take our pain seriously at all because to us, we're strong. We're already adults. We, we can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when I was getting my license, um, when I was 16, my mom had went with me and I wanted to like sign to be an organ donor you know, like, just in case, you know, out of, like, pure intentions, you know what I mean, like, God forbid something were to happen to me, like, I would want, you know, somebody, life to be saved through my organs or whatever, and my mom, like, cussed me out in front of everybody, and I was like, girl, like, what you tripping for, like, I'm just trying to do some good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she, like, in our language told me, like, what happens, and how they don't care for Black bodies as much as they would for any other body, and, if anything, you know, black bodies are so strong and organs are so much stronger than, you know, white people's. So they're not going to do what they can to save you. Um, and so I didn't believe her. Like I called her on her bullshit. I was like, that you're, you're lying. Like there's no way. So I went home and did research and I was like, dude, this really is a thing. Like mm -hmm. it really, and like, there was a case that I found that, um, it basically was like a staged car accident and the people like they knew that they were organ donors and they'd been planning on them for like a while and they died like they literally just didn't save them and instead just cut out their organs and gave it to someone else which i thought was like Ooh, insane. no like my mom that is crazy so what you're telling me is that i should um not be an organ donor anymore so i should take that thing off yes <laughs> Because, like, if you feel like you got in a car accident or, God forbid, or anything happens to you and you're put on life support, they will do everything in their power for you guys to sign on the dotted line and say, oh, we can't do They will not try to save you because they mm -hmm. know that your organs can go to somebody. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm going to have to think about that. You just don't think about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I was just so excited to get mm -hmm. my license and be yeah. one of the first ones out of my friends to, like, start driving and whatnot. But then you have to go home and research that your life genuinely is not valued mm -hmm. and to, like have proper health care, which is insane. Yeah. I was reading this article um, basically on racism and dimensions of time and how time, you know, you know, everyone says like time is money, but time is also racialized for us and we're stripped of time. We're stripped of time uh, for us to vote, stripped of time, from our childhoods, like everything. Mm -hmm. So basically they were talking about the difference of like social age and biological age. And obviously like, as you can assume, biological age is your actual age mm -hmm. and social age is what society perceives you to be. And um, they were saying like um, in their research that it's assumed that young black males are always five years older than what they are. So if you put that in perspective and put that into numbers, that means like a 16 year old is automatically an official adult or a second grader becomes an official teenager. And in, well, in the eyes of society. And mm -hmm. that's like, like think about like take your age and then 
add five years on it and how much mm -hmm. of a difference that makes but that's how society perceives you always it's just like really scary to think about i think just like the conditions that black people grow up in like you don't it's like you don't have an option to be innocent you don't have a choice to yeah you're in survival mode bro yeah, like it's literally like survival like it's not life you're surviving you're trying to make make a living paycheck by paycheck by paycheck like that generational it's generational curse that's what i'm saying like that's really what it is and it's honestly i feel like it's up to us especially generation z because we are so vocal we're so blunt especially with everything that's going on right now it's up to us to break these generational curses um and for the betterment betterment of the african you know community like period mm -hmm. right how do you this may, a uh, one no please go ahead you're good i was just gonna ask a question actually can i do that yeah of course oh okay I was just gonna say this may not be an answerable question but like how do you feel um social media and the rise of like internet and stuff like that how do you feel like it's impacted this topic I feel like it's exacerbated it because think about social media now with that being another platform brings the other issues that come with it so classism um you know celebrity kind of fame things and like think about all of the famous people on social media who are promoted who are you know put on your timeline no matter what you do they're all older so little girls who like get maybe instagram in middle school are now looking at people like lori harvey to be or like uh yeah, and it's like, just like, think about like what that does to a little girl. It's like, okay, so society is valuing her body, her type, her looks, like to an ultimate fame. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to try my best to be like that. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, causes girls to maybe think different ways and, you know, it adultifies them. So I feel like right. in social media, just like, literally enhances adultification and it's kind of sad well it's really sad but yeah um I I think yeah i agree with like influencers um i know growing up it was just kind of like i follow all these influencers and they're traveling and all they really care for is themselves and being the oldest child of two and having a younger brother it was always that you know not only did i have to like take my brother to school, pick him up from school, take him to basketball practice, take him to tutoring. And then on top of that, you know, make sure that my grades were good. And then on top of that, taking my grandmother to like doctor's appointments and translating for her and taking her to church. Like it was all these responsibilities, but all of the media that I was consuming was just like all these picture perfect girls that, you know, would go on trips and like didn't care for anyone but themselves. So yeah. it was kind of like, wow, like that's the life that I want to live in comparison to like what I was living and it was just it's not good at all like um, another way I feel like social media has changed things is um when it comes to kids realizing how the world views them right so for example everyone like so many young kids have have access to a phone an iPad any sort of device now right and again you mentioned this earlier like you seeing a video of a girl at a protest a young girl um mm -hmm. And now it's like, 
I, I used to think, okay, let's not necessarily take them to these spaces just because even as an adult, it's so hard to come to, to come to terms with what's happening, to make sense of it, especially protests. Like, and the ones that we've been seeing this past couple of weeks have been very violent. And so just to see that when you're young, it does a lot to you. But you can't even escape it in the sense that if you go on your phone and you're young, you will see this. They will, they will see um, these hashtags. They will see these pictures. They will see these videos. I'm sure that the young kids that saw the video of George Floyd and did not know what to make sense, like did not know how to take it. Um, and it's, it's especially hard for black parents to now have to navigate this, right? Because I think it's this whole idea of you don't want to perpetuate this and you don't want them, their innocence to be robbed, but at the same time, you want to educate them. Yeah, um, delicate balance. It's so hard, it's so hard. Does, does, does a pure childhood exist for black kids? Like, is that in our cards? No. Yeah, there may be classism to it. I think that people who are in lower socioeconomic statuses, um, children that have probably have less innocence or more innocence taken away from them than someone who's a rich black child or yeah. a rich black child with adopted white parents or a rich black child living in Beverly Hills or a rich black child whose father is Diddy. You know what I mean? Because they, they probably get away with a lot more things than a kid who's living in an inner city neighborhood who has to take yeah. care of double the responsibilities. Yeah, I, I also still feel that like at the end of the day, like you can put like no matter how much money you have, like as you know, Jay-Z said, you know, you're still a nigga. Like that's how right. it is. Literally. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's I, important that I also, did I cut you off? No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I don't know. I was skipping, but um, I also want to point out that like this stuff is not, it doesn't just happen in the U.S. Like personally growing up in Gambia, I've seen adultification in the form of child labor time and time and time again. There are little girls and little boys doing work. Like I see, like, I just, I'm thinking back to when I lived at home, you know, and seeing like kids that should be in school you know they're like with their moms trying to like sell whatever product their moms have or um coming to our doors and asking for a job as like a gardener or something and it's like growing up then I never thought it was um weird until I like a like a time after and I started like really thinking about it and being like you know this isn't okay and I know my dad I remember my dad would tell me like one time we passed this girl and she was this lady and she was selling fruit and she like um, sent her daughter to come to us and and my dad was just like my dad looked at the little girl and my dad was like here you go he gave her some money he was like you need to tell your mom that you should be in school right now and that there's you know da, da, da. And he was just talking to her and that it's not okay for um, these older people to be exploiting their children so I've seen it in that way in Gambia at least um, as well as in the U.S. Yeah, and definitely, and um, that reminds me of, like, what's going on in Saudi Arabia and a lot of the Middle East, mm -hmm. how they're taking a lot of um, African people and putting them as maids, um, right. really slaves to rich Saudi Arabians or just rich Middle Easterners who, like, benefit from their own classism, and, mm -hmm. you know, you have many young Black women from Uganda and other parts of Africa who are experiencing the same thing at probably more, you know, worse rates than us because they're now forced into forced labor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the conditions of that, you have a lot of them held hostage 
um, haven't seen their mothers in like years. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a thing. And then I mean, like modern modern day slavery and how India has like the highest rates of that. So my heart goes out to young Indian girls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's everywhere and honestly if you really think about it just because of the privilege of being american it's probably much better here than it is anywhere else yeah the distinction comes with here it's more so focused on race um class does play a a role in it but then with the rest of the world especially in africa it's definitely all about class Mm -hmm. and like even in gambia like gambia is a very poor country do you know what i mean so like people are always selling something um you know there are little boys that aren't in school and things like that like that boys and girls that aren't in school that happens like we just don't have money so it's sad to see these kids that should be running around playing you know they're tagging along it's hot in Gambia in the hot sun walking around trying to make um something some form of income like my heart really does go out to them Mm -hmm. um you know and I just I think that's something that us as Gambians need to also work on improving resources and programs for kids like there's so many kids guys that are just not doing anything mm-hmm. even yeah. in like when I I vacation like every year I try to do it like every year just for like a peace of mind and um I go to the Caribbean a lot um because obviously it's very peaceful there tropical or whatever but it's like even then I feel the difference in adultification and I start to feel my own privilege and then you know sympathize with them because I see you know, girls and boys my age, you know, laboring, like you said, in the hot sun, trying to sell things, and just knowing that that right there is probably, like, how they're making their ends meet. It's just, I'm sitting here on vacation, like, you know what I mean? It just, it's a really bad feeling, and that's why I always try to support them as much as possible, and, like, I encourage other people to do the same. They might, they may seem, like, annoying and, like, oh, get away, like, people are always trying to sell things no those are people trying to live yeah that's literally they're just trying to survive yeah like i feel like i don't know i feel like it's kind of confusing because there's also downsides to schooling as well because Mm -hmm. when you when you're in school as a minority and even in another country you're also you're further adultified in my opinion because the the generation above you looks at you as like, like the, the generation that will change everything. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's so like true. I'm in college, right? All a bunch of you guys are like, are African. You feel me? So I feel like you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Where like the older generation looks at you as like, yeah, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, and they put all these expectations on you at a young age. But then at the same time, at least in American schools you're thought of as nothing. You're thought of as just complete shit, you know? Mm. Like in second grade, I'm gonna tell, let me tell a story real quick. In second grade, right? And I'm, I'm just gonna preface this by saying, I've never been a dumb kid. You feel me? Like, yeah. like I always, I always like to read and like do shit like that. And yeah. And in second grade, right? They, my second grade teacher, I hate, I hate this bitch. But I hate, I actually hate her. But anyways, um, she took me out of the class for reading comprehension, for like a reading comprehension test, the like the test you do every Mm -hmm. year or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
at the time I was reading probably at like a sixth grade level in like mm -hmm. second grade. And this woman took me out the class and was like, oh, we think your reading needs more. Your reading comprehension needs more help. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so they take you out. What my school did is that they would take you out during like the free time period. Mm. And while everyone else is playing, you have to go read with oh, like this mm -hmm. tutor. So, so I'm in this room with like kids that like actually do not know how to read. And they're not even black either. Like they just can't read. And they're reading with like like the finger, like mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm over here looking like like what do you what do you think I am? Like yeah. you think I'm just dumb? Mm -hmm. I know I'm not dumb, so what like what's the what's the tea? Cause of this. You feel yeah. me? Yeah, what's, what's the, the reason? Oh, that's, I, mean, I just realized like that happened to me too. Like I would every time like i know i was probably like third grade or something and my teachers would always like the summary I, I, what, what happened in the book somewhere in the book i know what happened in the book mm -hmm. why do i have to go back to susan and bethany and Anne to say what happened in the book and then they would <laughs> separate me from the group and say like okay well let's try this let's try i'm doing fine i'm yeah. doing great i know what's going on and I just, like, I never understood that. That just, like, pops into my head. Like, that's happened to me, too. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah me too. And that's, and that's the number one problem. Like, the outside factors or, like, the generation, your parents, all of them, they're telling you you can do this, right? And then the people inside are telling you you can't. Mm -hmm. So you just end up becoming confused. Yeah. And it's even like more adultified. Yeah, it's like opposite forces of yeah. adult because it's like yeah technically you're an adult but it's like you can't do adult things just yet and right. like you can't be on that level and like that reminds me of like my experience in I think it was elementary school like um I was a pretty creative person like my art and stuff like that always used to get put on the uh displays and stuff and you know projects and I remember um I was invited to be tested for gifted and talented, which itself is a problem because it makes it seem like being gifted and talented is some innate thing and natural and biological. So anyways, but yeah, and they, when I got the results back, I got a perfect score on everything, but they said I got a zero on creativity. And I'm like, how does one even get a zero on like, you could think of anything that's creative. So it's like, it's just, you know, really annoying. And it's like what you said, that kind of like confusing force of like adultification. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel like having started this episode, a lot of people might have not known what adultification was. Um, and I feel like after unpacking it this whole throughout the hour, um, it's definitely a real thing. It's a reality. And there are a lot of repercussions that come from it. Um, I just want to know, just to, I guess, end in some sort of hopeful note, how do you think um we can dismantle this in the u.s right this might be a loaded question because like we said there's so many layers to it but where do we start um you take a second to think about it it definitely is a loaded but, question that's that's low-key the issue is like black people we're forced to resolve things that aren't our problem yeah. like racism um, prejudice, discrimination, brutality, like 
these are not things that we project or create or perpetuate, but we're forced to solve them. And it's quite like annoying and it puts even more stress on us because it's like, not only do we have to fight the movement, but we have to put in plans and solutions to stuff that we have no responsibility over. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that it's just, that's kind of like my opinion, but right. I think like, obviously it's institutional and uh, systemic and just knowing knowing the knowledge of that and how it you know permeated through scientific racism criminal injustice system education systems like being more aware of it um i think will definitely have some sort of impact um yeah. because like they're not people people didn't even know the definition when they saw the word yeah so just being more aware i think could definitely give us some hope in the future having more conversations normalizing it um for sure 100% because the truth of the matter is that dosification exists in so many different forms. Like I, we've touched so many different ways black kids are being forced to grow up um, at faster rates, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it really is not had nearly enough. Um, and yeah, does anyone else have something to say about action steps? Because you know, here at TBH, we got the action. <laughs> we back it up, boo boo. <laughs> like more of these conversations need to happen with our white peers and like non-black people of color as well um just because I feel like a lot of these conversations that we have are within our own community and we kind of just talk about oh yeah like this is my experience and then you kind of just like add on from there but it's like again like Sydney said we're not the source of the issue right. so it's Kind of like repetitive and just counterproductive yeah i definitely agree I I feel that. Saw, um sydney you posted on your story the other day actually which i appreciated just because i feel like not many people have touched on it especially these past couple of weeks like that in a lot of these cases is the root of things right um mm-hmm. how black kids are seen as older than they are at very young ages um so i think that spreading awareness is definitely very important another thing i think we should do is after we're having these conversations because I guess the next generation that are now gonna bear these kids are us so just being aware and conscious um of this and also implementing in the conversations that we have with them you know just helping them navigate it as best as we can um so yeah yeah I think if we're more aware to these problems we can hopefully um avoid them when we're raising our own kids you know I know you're probably not going to remember this conversation in like 10 years but if in the off chance that you do I would really appreciate that (laughs) um but I also do think it's beautiful because this conversation gave me a sense of um unity and relatability with you all because I see how everyone's like oh yeah that did happen oh shit oh you too like I like that that I love conversations like that because you it just it shows that we're all alike we all go through um these struggles being black in america being being black in the world it's just quite hard um so i'm so happy to have conversations like this where we can all just you know talk about how shitty and how often amazing it is to be a black person <laughs> that's so sad but I know. at the same time <laughs> I say, like i definitely do agree with like the whole like we are going to be the ones bearing our kids but i think that right. our generation is so woke that will know a lot will have the more, better materials and like tools to like navigate through you this. think that now you think that now but i promise when you have a kid 
so you're gonna even forget that this is a thing you know like it's so easy to escape you and you for you to forget that stuff like my brother now he's raising his son and he's just like I just can see him be like dang I never understood why my mom did this but now as a dad I get it do you know and I think life is interesting and it's a beautiful journey and we're gonna go through those motions inshallah but it's just important to keep keep aware you know yeah but I definitely do think you're right too Logan because I feel like when I think of what my parents went through what my grandparents went through like it gets better with every generation. 100% more information you have the more aware you are about different things like even us just having this conversation about adultification my parents don't know what that is I know guys that's another thing another action step go talk to this go talk to your parents about this conversation because I guarantee you I think that this is one um, for the family to talk about, yeah. for everyone to hash out. If you're if you're in that situation and your family's down to hear it, I definitely think you should talk. It's interesting because I've talked to them about it, but to them, it's their normal. You know what I mean? It's yeah. for girls to like get married before the age of like fifteen. You know what I mean? It's right. normal to have kids at a young age. It's normal to not pursue school. So it's just like interesting because like I am filled with like rage and all that, but to yeah. them they don't get it you know what I mean they're like why why are you so pissed which is right they don't but like I said it gets better with every generation I'm very hopeful for the next generation after me too thank you so much for joining us on the third episode of TVH Um, thank you guys thank you you. 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 next we're gonna have a whole conversation with just the class 2023 but Great. I'm happy. Our senior year. Hopefully it goes away. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um and yeah. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening again today. I think that conversation was so necessary. I know I've said that like twenty five times at this point, <laughs> but I really, really do believe it and I'm glad we got to touch on something that not a lot of people do. I agree, I agree. I think it is I mean, like you said, very necessary just because yeah. a lot of us, when we even like shared the post, like people don't, every time I talk about adultification mm-hmm. or someone asks me, what's this week's episode? I said adultification. They're like, what? Like, right. what'd you say? You know? So it's just, it's interesting that a lot of people don't know what it is. And we hope that you learn a lot more about it because we did for sure. Because we were also not as ed- educated about it um, from the start of the, from the conversation. So thank you yeah. again to all our guests. Um, thank you guys for listening and honestly I'm really happy we did it as well Ruth because I feel like we got a chance to all reflect on our childhood as black kids like that was beautiful like everything we could relate to it's just been great so far so thank you all thank you to our guests thank you everyone that listened thank you thank you thank you um and like every week we're going to be posting a question of the day so please go ahead to our Instagram page today and keep an eye out for that um and yeah, we just want we want your take on it too, you know, because we learn so much about ourselves and each other. So right. we would like for you guys to interact with this and and just send let us, us your thoughts. Yeah, talk. yeah, just talk. Okay. So yeah, thank you for tuning in to this third episode. Third episode already. Wow, crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, thank you guys. Stay and safe. we will see you next week with episode four. Episode four. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Have a good week. Bye.